You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Enos Cantor, what are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and host of the 312 Show on AM 1590 WCGO in Chicago. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked On Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked On Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Make sure to follow the Locked On Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. Our friends over at Locked On Cubs, Locked On Bears have great shows going on right now. Cubs in the playoff hunts, Bears coming off their Monday night win, looking at the Cardinals this week. So check those shows out if you want a little preview of the weekend. Our text and voicemail line is at 331-979-1369. Hit us up there with all of your text messages, your voicemails. You've got any reaction from any of the shows that we did this week, any of the conversations that we had extending from the Jimmy Butler situation going on in Minnesota uh, to maybe what you're expecting from training camp and media day coming into next week. I can't believe it's fine. Finally here, Matt. With that, welcome back to the show. Uh, glad to have you. Glad to have you here. Glad to, glad that listeners are out there listening to us on a Friday uh, media day on Monday. Following up with the first day of practice on Tuesday, I can't believe we finally have made it after a crazy another crazy NBA offseason. Yeah, man, we are down to the final days before the NBA season actually officially being back underway once again. Seemed like. Uh, August and the first half of September was just like just sitting around twiddling our thumbs waiting and waiting and waiting we're finally there on the cusp of media day Monday Uh, I don't know about you I'm not really anticipating anything crazy on Monday's media day I think we're going to see and hear a lot of confidence from this young Bulls team Uh, you know whether whether or not that's misguided you can't fault them for coming into this season confident because Zach Levine is fully healthy Chris Dunn is healthy Jabari Parker is healthy and you know back in his hometown and ready to prove his doubters wrong cough cough me among them and uh 
I think, look, you know, you, you mentioned again the, the crazy biggest story in the NBA right now is, of course, the drama going on over in Minnesota with our, our former Bulls star, Jerry Butler. And just thinking about, and, you know, we're jumping on a recording right now, Friday, late morning, and uh, Woj just tweeted out the latest update, which is that teams that are calling Minnesota about Jimmy are getting shut down and saying uh, the, the, the Wolves front office is saying we have no interest in trading Jimmy. He is a franchise player and we plan on keeping him. So, when the Wolves have their media day, what's that going to look like? <laughs> like Jimmy, Carl Anthony Towns, who has reportedly told the Wolves, Jimmy and I can't coexist, so fix this. And until you fix this, I'm not signing my rookie extension. You got Wiggins getting into beef on social media with Steven Jackson. You got all this chaos going around. Tibbs is trying to get a handle on all of this stuff. And he's, he doesn't seem to be handling it very well as of right now. So I'm looking forward to this Bulls media day on Monday to say... All right, well, it, it might be cute in, in, in ways in which this young Bulls core is a little overconfident on media day, but you kind of get that every year on media day. But at least we're not in the, the, the position the Minnesota Timberwolves are in coming into their media day because that is just one giant mess. Yeah, it's a little bit relieving now. You know, this is the first year, probably last three, four years coming into media day, there wasn't some major story around this Bulls team. And, like, Jabari Parker's probably going to be the main focus, at least at media day um, initially, just because he's the newest guy coming into this core group. A lot of people are wondering what he's going to be able to do in his one year, and I think there's going to be a lot of expectations, and I'm curious to see what he says about this team and what his expectations are for his season this year, how he's going to coexist with guys like Zach Levine and Chris Dunn and Lowry Markkinen and some of this other young core. I think the other spotlight for me is going to be watching Wendell Carter Jr. and Chandler Hutchison, the two rookies, coming into training camp, seeing what they have to say and what they kind of want to build on in their first year and how this team can maybe coexist and how they feel like they can be glue uh, glue pieces to what the Bulls are trying to do in the future. And that's ultimately get back to get back to contending, at least on the regular. I think listening to Lowry Markinen talk, I think Lowry Markinen, you know, the high expectations that not only Bulls fans have, but I think the national notoriety that he's gotten at least this summer. Uh, talking about what his step is going to be in his second year. I think that's going to be also something notable to hear if anybody asks him the question, you know, like, what are your goals for this season? What do you see? Uh, where do you see this team going? And kind of ultimately, where do you want to see your development this season? And I'm curious what he's going to be working on this year to try and improve. Is it the defense? Is it the post game? Is it just trying to build off of what he did last season? So very curious, and especially because there's a lot of unknowns too. Like this, this core group has only played 12 games together. So uh, finally a refreshing time for the Bulls to just come into training camp, come into uh, media day with not a looming story that's not necessarily the positive one. Yeah, and as you talk about things that maybe could not necessarily go wrong, but raise some eyebrows and maybe raise a little bit of concern among the fan base, uh, it, when you're talking about what we hear from these players as individuals on media day you touched on Markkinen and what we might hear from him and his goals for the season you and I talked to Bobby at our, our bowling event about what his goals are for this season and we've talked a, a significant amount this offseason about how every young player on this team pretty much has their own personal agenda uh, whether it's looking for a new contract proving doubters wrong proving that they're worthy of a contract they just signed all these things and even people like Denzel Valentine, who at the tail end of last season said, I think I'm good enough to be a starter in this league. I think I'm good enough to be a starter on this team. Denzel's not starting. 
to start the season, and unless somebody goes down with an injury, Denzel's not starting. So especially like when you think about some of those role players and bench players, you mentioned also the rookies, Hutchison and Wendell. What they see for themselves in their rookie seasons, there's going to be a lot of people confidently talking about their game and the upcoming season and what they want to achieve. And as fans, we might be sitting there on media day and listening to all these sound bites and saying, man, how is all this going to work together? How are all these guys with their individual agendas going to make this work? How's everybody going to get their touches? How's everybody going to get their points? And my God, good luck to Fred Hoiberg to make it all work. And it's Fred Hoiberg and it's Chris Dunn. Those two are the ones that I want to hear from the most on Media Day because I think those two have the most pressure on their shoulders. I think this is kind of make a break year, not necessarily for Chris Dunn's career, but just his overall arc. I think third-year players, guys especially taken in the lottery, this is kind of the crucial year. You know, everybody points to year three is kind of either you're going to really see what you're going to get out of this guy long term or it's also it could go to a hey you know what he maybe he isn't a starter in this league hey maybe he's not what we thought he is and that doesn't just go for Chris Dunn it goes for a lot of other players uh, going into their third year Denzel Valentine's going to be somebody else to keep an eye on he was a part of that group and he's now in his third year too a lot of people are wondering what his expectations are going to be going to be for this season I think I'm just excited that this entire group is you know the core group that we talk about either if you want to talk about the core five or the core seven guys that you have all those guys are under 25 years old. I think that, to me, is exciting to at least know that there's five opportunities, there's five chances that you could have to maybe strike gold on one of these guys. And I think just the opportunity and the positive of the unknown, for me, at least keeps me captured going into media day. Like you said, too, I think Fred Hoiberg and Chris Dunn speaking out on what they're going to do offensively, but also how Fred Hoiberg is going to be able to combat some of the weaknesses that we talked about in the defense and what kind of tricks and what kind of plays and what kind of team-oriented defense is he going to play this year to kind of get those guys to buy in and not everybody, you know, even on nights where guys are are not knocking down their shots, Zach Levine's having an off night, Jabari Parker, that's the ultimate question is how do you get guys to buy in then? When? How do you get to guys to buy in when they're not clicking on offense night in and night out. So I think those are going to be important questions to ask. Uh, yeah, when the offense isn't clicking, the answer is that the Bulls are going to lose by 20. That's 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 what's happening. When the, <laughs> yeah, there's simple your simple answer. answer right there. All right, before we get into our season previews, we all love a night out, whether it's going to uh, a Bears game this weekend or in the next couple weeks, you want, to, you want to catch the Bears playing. You want to catch the Bulls in preseason action coming up in just a few weeks. Or maybe you're thinking about something this weekend, Cubs and Sox over on the South side whatever it is uh, with Vivid Seats you can attend that game you can attend that concert that show whatever you're looking for at a great price Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to you can sort out by price or look for seats in the section or row of your choice to make things better Vivid Seats is giving our listeners here at Locked on Bulls an exclusive promo code for $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money go to the app store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app use the promo code locked on for $20 off of $200 or more. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code locked on for $20 off, orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Should be interesting. Cubs and Sox on the South Side. Pretty big series for the Cubs this weekend. Um, so if you want to get out to the, the South Side, I'm sure there's tickets available. There are a ton on 
on Vivid Seats. So get your tickets there. This is a huge weekend and uh, some news coming up about. Yeah. Hey, Jordan, you uh, you think your your socks can just kind of lay down these three games for me and my cubbies so we can get this uh, NL Central yeah, title uh, wrapped up? Problems if you aren't going to go into the <laughs> South Side this weekend and win at least two of three. Hey, the Sox have played really well. They they've been playing well recently. I'm actually kind of scared that the Cubs will find a way to lose two games in this. Yeah, series. I know Milwaukee's got to finish up with Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Detroit. And kind of similar with the Cubs. The Cubs are finishing up with Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Cubs the Sox. Cubs got to finish Pittsburgh and then St. Louis. Yeah, Sox, Pittsburgh, St. Louis. And we, I mean, I, I, you know, I've, I've been saying this for the last month or so. If if the Cubs haven't clinched by the time we get to that last three game series against the Cards, I'm going to be having panic attacks every minute. So <laughs> so so, can you just can you just tell the White Sox to just give us these three W's? Just a qu- clean sweep. It'll be respectful. It's all about one city. You know. Sox season is over. Come on, let's let's just be team players here. Can't do it. Need need a Sox sweep <laughs> this weekend, especially on Hawk Harrelson's Get last day here. on Sunday. Get oh, who cares about Hawk? Oh, Harrelson? come on, everybody in this city, whether you're a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, at one point you gotta you gotta enjoy Hawk Harrelson for what it is and what he has been, and especially if you're a Sox fan. Last time we're gonna be hearing hearing him on a broadcast, so that'll be on Sunday afternoon. So. Catch a little Cubs socks on Sunday and then uh, some Bears action in the late afternoon at that 325 kickoff. We got to take a short break here on Locked On Bulls when we come back doing Chris Dunn, starting with Chris Dunn in our preseason previews. So, break down kind of what he did last season, what his goals should be for this season, and ultimately where we see him ending up a year from now. So, all that and so much more. Stay right here with us at Locked On Bulls. Be back in 60 seconds. Giannis over. Chris is able to get to the rim. Big time shot by Chris Young player growing up right before our eyes, Neil. All right, back here on Locked On Bulls. You can hit us up 331-979-1369 on our text and voicemail line on Twitter at Locked On Bulls at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com if you want to hit us up there, Locked On Shy Bulls on facebook okay with that let's uh let's dive it in into it so over the next 15 episodes or so be diving into every single player so it'll take us into the next few weeks here chris dunn starting with him probably the most important bull matt that i think we've talked about in entirety over the last few months think about how important it's going to be for chris dunn to have sort of a breakout season for the bulls to be successful this year Building off his 13.4 points, 4.3 rebound, and 6 assist averages last season, what's the most important thing right off the bat for Chris Dunn that you need to see him improve upon this season? I think it's I think it's a couple of things. I think you would love to see him be able to uh, continue to improve upon that 3-point percentage and his confidence to take open threes. He only took 0.9 threes per game in his rookie season in Minnesota, which was... You know, kind of a lost season for him. Last season in Fred Hoiberg's offense, he upped that to 2.6 threes, three-point attempts per game, and his percentage increased from 28.8 as a rookie to 32.1 last season. You'd love to be able to see him maybe notch that up a few more percentages
percentage points. If Dunn's knocking down three-pointers somewhere around 35, 36, that would be great uh, for this offense and for making whoever's guarding him respect him behind the three-point line in his in addition to worrying about him breaking, uh, you know, breaking down off the dribble and, and penetrating the paint. Uh, but to me, that's that's like the second most important thing for Dunn on the offensive end. And uh, most importantly, it's getting better finishing at the rim. That's something we've talked about uh, considerably this offseason because it's something that John Paxson came out and said, this is something we need Chris Dunn to improve upon in the offseason, work on it in the offseason, and show us that he can be a slasher point guard who can score and can get to the bucket and not just get to the bucket and finish. In addition to that, like you'd love to see his free throw attempts go up a little bit. He only took 2.2 free throws per game last season. For your starting point guard, I'm sorry, but that is a very small number. So get better finishing at the rim and find those opportunities where if defenses are respecting Zach Levine and they're respecting Jabari Parker and they're respecting Lowry and Dunn has the ability to just go one-on-one with a guy, get to the rim and get yourself an easy two. That's really what I want to see from Dunn. Yeah, that's what I'm excited about this season is Zach Levine, Lowry Markin, and Jabari Parker, whether or not they're going to be efficiently on the offensive offensive side of the ball, Chris Dunn, opening things up for him, I think offensively is going to be fun to watch. Like Outside of Dunn on the floor, especially early on last season, who were the main threats on that Bulls offense? Like I can't name a guy that really scared other opposing defenses like you had Chris Dunn and Lowry Markin and that was basically your two pieces everybody wasn't afraid so double teaming Chris Dunn uh, stopping him from driving to the baskets and not allowing him to dish and dunk kind of with Lowry Markin and kind of restricted things having four guys on the floor now that can arguably shoot depending on whether Wendell Carter Jr. is going to get a bulk of the minutes with these guys I think just all of that opening up the floor and guys that actually can hit at a high clip from the perimeter like you had said before I think that opens up a ton of lanes for Chris Dunn outlook for Chris Dunn can he do you think right now he's worthy of being talked about in the top 20 of point guards if you take all the top the point guards on the starting rotations of all 30 teams in the NBA where does Chris Dunn sit does he sit middle of the pack top tier top 10 20 20 through 30 where do you think Chris Dunn sits I mean I think it depends on how you how you judge and how you value your point guards I think if you're talking about best two-way players at that position because of his defensive abilities, he ranks a little bit higher. I still, if you're talking about best overall point guard offensively and defensively as opposed to just best offensive point guards in the league, it's not like his defensive skills bump him up considerably into a range that is top tier or even second tier. Um, But I would say because he is so gifted defensively, if you're talking about his overall game, and if we do see some improvements from him this season offensively, hitting a few more threes, getting better, finishing at the rim, improving upon that assist-to-turnover ratio, uh, which was six you know, six assists and three turnovers last season, then you can start to talk about Dunn being one of the you know, B-grade point guards in the league. Because I think right now he's a C point guard. I think that you know, if you take everything he has to offer and you took what he did last season, he's a C point guard. I think he can at the by the time this season is over if he stays healthy, continues to be one of the better defensive guards in the league and improves himself offensively, then you're starting to talk about Dunn as one of the second tier point guards in the league. So I have like a sliding scale that I came up with about five other guys that I feel like Chris Dunn sort of matched last year and they can be on a sliding scale this year of what your expectations in comparison of other 
point guards in the league are. So here are the here are the five guys that it came up that could be similar going to the top, like your highest ceiling for Chris Dunn this season, and then your lowest expectation for Chris Dunn this year. So first, Kyle Lowry being at the high end of what Chris Dunn could be, 16.2 points per game, 5.6 assists, 6.9 assists, 5.6 rebounds, and 1.1 steals, shooting at a clip of 42.7%. So Kyle Lowry probably sitting at the top because as far as two-way guards go, he's not that bad of a defensive point guard either, and he can score buckets and distribute for you. That being said... Kyle Lowry being at the top, I think you put Ricky Rubio second. And Ricky Rubio is somebody that I brought up on the show a few weeks ago, talking about how his numbers kind of matched what Chris Dunn did last year. And while Ricky Rubio's defensive rating and his offensive rating were better, both of those have to take into account what the team was. Utah was a way better team than Chicago was. So I looked at Ricky Rubio and said, okay, Ricky Rubio and Chris Dunn probably had similar years last year, but Ricky Rubio's kind of in the same category of tier three tier four-ish point guards in the NBA right now. So I'd put him second. Terry Rozier was another guy that I had there. Similar numbers to Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn shot at a better clip than Terry Rozier did last season. Now that being said, Terry Rozier has gotten a lot of praise for his defense and with the Celtics and being able to distribute that second unit. That's a guy that I'm looking at and saying, eh, it would be all right if that's kind of where Chris Dunn hung, but you have higher expectations than maybe Terry Rozier. And then finally, I finish it off with Malcolm Brogdon and Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie, not a great offensive player, had fiery streaks between the seasons where he could score. He's main. Don't don't tell the Gar Pax haters that Gar Pax haters are convinced that Spencer Dinwiddie is like the best thing since sliced bread. Oh, here here's another example of why we can be mad at this front office. Oh my God, Spencer Dinwiddie is like the best guard hey, in the look, league. Spencer Dinwiddie, give me a break. Spencer give me Dinwiddie a break. went from a guy that got cut from two different teams, traded for a guy in Cameron Bear style and went to most improved player of the year conversation for him that's a good season I'm just saying in comparison of what the Bulls yeah, had I'm not trying to disrespect Dinwiddie I was just I was just <laughs> cracking a joke at the expense of the Firegar Paxers who were like so up in arms that they let Dinwiddie go yeah he's a decent player but come on if you're going to be mad about things that this front office has done like don't 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 overvalue or overblow things like that that are like, come on, Din- Dinwiddie, you really, are you that upset about letting Dinwiddie go? Come I think on. I'm more upset because they let him go in order to, to keep Michael Carter-Williams on the roster. That's fair. That's fair. That would be the more reason why I would be upset. But looking back at the sliding scale, so those five players, any argument from you there as far as the sliding scale of what Chris Dunn could potentially be, what those point guards meant to their teams last season? Like, if we're talking about Chris Dunn being in the same category as Malcolm Brogdon, sure, Malcolm Brogdon's a great player, great three-point shooter off the bench too, but not a guy that you're necessarily saying, okay, he can probably start in this league, and maybe Bucks fans feel differently than I do, or winning rookie of the year in his draft class, he didn't play all that great in his follow-up season to that, and he was injured for most of the season, but still... If we're talking about Chris Dunn being Malcolm Brogdon, we've got a little bit of a problem. But would you say it's fair to say if Chris Dunn had a season like Kyle Lowry did last year, the Bulls would be in a good position? I mean, yeah, I think you can say that. And I, and I think that, you know, what you're talking about here with this sliding scale of, you know, how good of a season might Dunn have and how good of a comp he might have as far as comparing him to other point guards in the league versus maybe he doesn't progress all that much this season and what's kind of like the floor that we're talking about. 
I, I mean, I think that that's one of the biggest things that I will be paying attention to closely this season. Because as much as people want to talk about Levine going out there and, and earning that contract, and as much as people want to talk about Jabari, the hometown kid, proving that he was worth the $20 million gamble that the Bulls made, Chris Dunn, you know, and I think you said this earlier, is kind of not necessarily career, but as far as whether or not he can convince this fan base that he's the point guard to, to continue leading this rebuild, this is a make-or-break season for him. He's got to be the one who... It improves his own offensive capabilities as a scorer, all the while making sure that the other people on this on this starting five get their touches and get their opportunities to score. And that's why I was saying earlier, I think Dunn's got a lot of pressure on him this season. And I don't know right now where he's going to land on that sliding scale that you're talking about. I'm optimistic that it will be somewhere closer to the high end because I really believe in in what the kid has and his ability to improve. I want to see, I want to believe that we're going to see a, a bigger and better Chris Dunn this season. But I I mean I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up towards the the low floor part of that sliding scale just because so many things about this season that we're about to to, to start are unpredictable right now. Because you mentioned it the only, you know, 11 or 12 games that the the trade core played together last season now throwing Jabari into the mix adding two rookies in Hutchison and Wendell Carter. We don't know what the futures hold for for Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. Like there's so many unknowables right now and Chris Dunn and where he will end up after this 18-19 season as far as what he looks like stacked up against the rest of the point guards in the league. <sighs> Dude, your your guess is as good as mine and you, and your guess is as good as any, anybody else. Like we have no idea what's coming. I think a couple other things on Chris Dunn's game real quick, and I don't know if anybody else agrees with those point guard comps or if not, but I would say if high expectations with having a relatively realistic ceiling for Chris Dunn, Kyle Lowry's not a bad comp. And while Kyle Lowry's kind of at the end of his tail as being in his prime. I mean, prime Kyle Lowry was a much more dominant scorer than we have seen evidence of Chris Dunn Definitely. being able to become like 100%. that, like that. There's like, you can't make that, you know, lateral comparison as far as prime Kyle Lowry as a score first point guard to what we have seen from Chris Dunn. That that's just not, that's not accurate. Yeah. Prime Kyle Lowry is completely different. And I'm talking about Chris Dunn. I'm talking about Kyle Lowry's season specifically last year. Right. And yeah. if that's if that's his ultimate career trajectory. If we're talking about a, a guy that can hang around and play productive minutes off the bench, maybe that's what Bulls fans see as more of a realistic expectation for Chris Dunn. I don't know. I think I just hold high higher expectations for Chris Dunn. And another thing to factor in, two other things, real quick, is one, we've talked about it before. Chris Dunn's up for an early extension talks and two, he knows that he needs to prove himself again this year in order to get the money that he wants and the extension that he wants. So that's going to be on his mind too, as far as the game goes, but specific encore play. The other thing that I think I'm a little bit concerned with is how Fred Hoiberg's going to handle who's the main ball handler on the offensive side of the ball when him and Levine are on the floor together. You know, we watched a lot of games and going back through the film of the last two months when Zach Levine was reinserted to this roster, there's a lot of times where Chris Dunn was playing off the ball. And I don't necessarily like that idea. Like, Zach Levine's got to be the guy to learn how to play off the ball because he's the better shooter than Chris Dunn is. Plain and simple. And while Zach Levine can beat guys off of three or four dribbles and he's more efficient when he does it that way, 
he's got to learn how to play off the ball because you can't have Chris Dunn be being used as your two when you're bringing up the ball. People aren't going to be convinced by that. And maybe that's on Chris Dunn to be, become a better three-point shooter and a, more of an offensive scoring threat. Maybe you can do that. But to me, if you're watching... If you're watching the Bulls play and you see Zach Levine bringing up the ball for the majority of the time on the floor, I've got a problem with that too. And maybe that's something him and Levine can figure out, and maybe that's something Fred Hoiberg can figure out as well. Um, I'm totally with you there as far as seeing Dunn play off the ball and just not – to me, that doesn't make any sense. He's not a good enough shooter. Um, if if we see a, a significant improvement from him as a three-point shooter this season, then okay, I guess at at certain times in the game based on who's on the floor you can let Dunn play off the ball for possessions here or there so that Levine can be the ball dominant scorer that he is um, or so that you can let you know Markinen and Jabari run little two-man games here and there whatever it is you want to do fine but I mean if if Dunn isn't playing Above 80%, I'd, I'd even say 85% of his minutes at the point guard position, I'm going to be really confused as to what the heck Fred Hoiberg is doing. Yeah, same here. Like You can't be using Chris Dunn as an off-ball guy. Like, Chris Dunn has to be your main distributor. That's what, he, that's what he's been touted for. That's what he was doing in college. It was not only the scoring in college, but his ability to distribute. And that's what ultimately you want out of Chris Dunn. And what we want, too, that's another question. Whatever we want as fans might not exactly translate to what Chris Dunn wants or what he sees as far as his career and his his player arc in this league, too. So maybe he's the guy that's going to be saying, you know what, no, I want to be more dominant. I want to take more shots this year. And that could be that could cause a problem, too, for the Bulls. But, hey, having five guys that can be legitimate threats on the floor to score at any time, as opposed to what the Bulls had last season, which was like two guys at a time, maybe if you were lucky, if you had Portis and Markinen out there, if you had Dunn and Markinen. But uh, it'll be at least an improvement a little bit. So I guess what we're saying here is main goals for Chris Dunn this year. Be a better ball distributor. You find guys efficient shots. Look for him to finish at the rim. And look for him to finish somewhere between the middle of the pack and point guards next season. If you took 1 through 30, every starting point guard for every team, look for Chris Dunn to end up somewhere in the middle of the pack. Yeah, I mean, I think somewhere between 10 and 20 is realistic. The goal... I think would be somewhere between 10 and 15. Yeah, I would I would completely agree, especially in your third year, your age too. Kristen's 24, going to turn 25 this season. So this is really just the turn this is the turning point. This is what happens when you when you get guys that played uh, 3 or 4 years in college. This is what happens. They're on a shorter timeline to be able to develop and to see what happens as opposed to guys that come out after 1 year. So definitely going to be one of the more important guys that we keep our eyes on, keep our tabs on. And he's going to be the start and stop of this Bulls team. You know, at times when the Bulls aren't playing well, you have to look at Chris Dunn and how he's running this offense and also how Fred Hoiberg's using him. Let's uh let's jump to let's jump to our segment that we were we were planning on doing. We put it on hold for a little bit, but we're back at it. Going to tweet out our brackets. So leading up to the regular season this this year, we wanted to go through uh, the 32 biggest, most iconic moments in Chicago Bulls history. This is just from Matt and I's opinion. 
obviously there we could talk about the hundred greatest ones like there are so many different moments in Bulls history that have made up this franchise but we tried to piecemeal together the ones that we felt have been most important most impactful things that Bulls fans remember the most and so we started off with the I'm back facts and why can't I be MVP of the league from Derrick Rose and Michael Jordan we put that out on Twitter the poll and the results are over the vote is in and the I am back facts won by actually a surprising number. I was actually surprised how many people voted for why can't I be MVP of the league. The final vote was 59% I'm back facts to 41% of why can't I be MVP of the league. And maybe that's just showing the age demographic of Twitter, right? Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's like I, I'm shocked every day and I feel like every day NBA Twitter gets younger and younger somehow. And um, at some point, there's just going to be like toddlers tweeting about like, oh, my God, like, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. is the best <laughs> bull of all time. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> all right. So so on today's today's moment that we're going to reveal, the matchup is Ben Gordon's clutch overtime three point shots in game four against the Celtics back in 2009. Inbound quick. Back out to Gordon. Gordon looking. Gordon for three. Bang! Ben Gordon ties the game. Clutch plays after clutch plays in this series. Good execution out of the timeout. Ben Gordon should have been grabbed immediately. You allow him to get a little bit of air space. Knocks down the jumper and ties this ball game. That going up against the Bulls drafting Michael Jordan at number three in 1984's draft. The Chicago Bulls pick Michael Jordan of the University of North Carolina. The next pick goes to the Dallas Mavericks. So Michael Jordan, who right now is in Bloomington getting ready for the upcoming Olympics, and this man is a can't-miss. And whether a guard spot or the forward, at 6'6", 195 pounds, comes out after his junior season from North Carolina. And, you know, he makes them when they count. He can do it in traffic. He can do it under tremendous control. He's a great, great creator. In the, in the mold of a Dr. J, not as big, but he's in that class, and I think he's going to make a great, great ball. He's what you call the people's player. People love to see this young man perform, and he's going to help my boy Kevin Lockyer an awful lot out there. And there's no question that Michael Jordan will step right in. He is star material, a great shooter, superb athletic ability. There are many teams who are trying to fly away that third pick and Michael Jordan from Chicago, but Jordan now joins Watley, Wiggins, and Daly in Chicago. I think this one's pretty simple where you, both you and I are going, but let's touch on both of them real fast. So your memories of Ben Gordon, Ben Gordon hitting this clutch three in overtime against the Celtics in a playoff game. One of the many clutch shots that I think Ben Gordon has had in his memory as a Chicago Bull. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of fun Ben Gordon moments if you go back and think about him. I think it's kind of, um, for those of us who lived through the the immediate post-dynasty years, which were some hard years, and then really got excited about the Bulls again during the baby Bulls years. Um, young Luol, young, you know, Kirky Worky, and uh, and Ben Gordon. Some of those baby Bulls memories kind of faded and got lost for those of us who were 
you know, watching the failed rebuild of the, you know, the, the tail end of the Jerry Krause years and then getting so excited about the Derrick Rose Bowls of the late 2000s uh, and then the early 2010s. I feel like some of those those Baby Bulls memories get glossed over, man, but those were some fun young teams to watch. And Ben Gordon, man, clutch buckets all the time, night in and night out. Really fun player to watch when he was young, a youngster. Most random season from John Solomons, too. You know, this was when John Solomons was like going off. I think he had a 35-point game in this series. I think maybe game six. He had 35 points. But just going back, looking at the box score this game, uh, Bulls winning this one 121 to 118. This is game four. But just looking at the Celtics team and also looking at that Bulls team, Ben Gordon, Derrick Rose, two highest scores in that game. 23 points for Derrick Rose, Ben Gordon with 22. Ben Gordon was a plus 20 in the plus minus. So just having an outstanding game. Uh, but looking at the Celtics roster too, Rajon Rondo, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen. Uh, then you had Kendrick Perkins when he was playing really well. And Brian Scalabrini was a part of that team as well. Um, but yeah, this shot, just I can remember it so vividly. This was a great series too. And starting off, you know, kind of on the cusp of where Derrick Rose's season was as a rookie and then capping it off with having Ben Gordon as a reliable shooter and Kirk Heinrich still playing really well, not knowing really what you're getting from Tyrus Thomas, but also young Joakim Noah, uh, a part of that roster too. It was kind of the precursor to what we saw over the next three or four years with Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah as the core group and then Jimmy Butler ultimately be added to that. But yeah, Ben Gordon was a lot of fun to watch uh, when he was a bull and every single year. I think that was a guy you could rely on to not only come off the bench and score for you, but score at a high clip. Yeah. And I mean, so looking at this specific uh, Ben Gordon moment for our bracket, when he hit that clutch three pointer in game four of that epic Bulls Celtic series of 2009. I, I mean, I think it maybe loses a little bit of its steam and a little bit of its luster just because it was one of so many awesome moments in that series. Like you had Brad Miller, making big buckets in in late in the fourth quarter in overtime. You had the rookie Derrick Rose making big plays. To me, still above and beyond, even Ben Gordon's clutch three in game four was Joe Keem's swipe of Paul Pierce coast-to-coast and one dunk in game six, which went to triple overtime. Like To me, that is the, the moment from that series, which was you know how many collective you know, a total overtimes between the entire seven games that were played. Like there were great moments throughout that series, but to me, the one that always sticks out. And I think it's probably because his tenure is more recent than Ben Gordon's. And I think he meant more to the city and this franchise than Ben Gordon did. No disrespect to Ben. The Joe Keem moment of that series is the one that always sticks out to me. Like if the bracket, if this bracket were that Ben Gordon three or the Joe Keem, Paul Pierce swipe coast to coast and one dunk, like, no contest. Joakim gets my vote on that. Yeah, I think so, too. And could be a potential matchup in the second round as our bracket goes. That's going up against the Pippin dunk on Ewing. And step over game six versus the Knicks in 94. I think we know who's going to win that one. But uh, nonetheless, I think, if yeah, if you're comparing both of those moments, I have to go with the Joakim moment, too. I think that was way more important. And, well, I guess importance too you could talk about the Ben Gordon one too that was Boston up two to one in that series and the Bulls needed to win that game at home sending it back to Boston down three to one would not have been a good idea for the Bulls and so they needed that clutch shot and coming off an inbounds and knocking that down in the first overtime to send it to a second 
Uh, pretty great moment, but I don't think anybody in their right mind is a Bulls fan, unless you're trolling, would pick that moment over the Bulls being able to draft Michael Jordan at number three no. in 1984. I, I, again, I think only younger Bulls fans would, would vote. And even then, even if they haven't taken the time to educate themselves about the history of this great franchise, I think even they would know, oh, oh, way back in 1984 when I was just a little sparkle in my, in my papa's eye, when the Bulls drafted Michael Jordan, still, arguably, in this city, not so arguably, the greatest basketball player of all time, with not the first overall pick, but the third. Yeah. Hey, we, we love Dustin Ben Gordon in this town, but MJ still owns this town. Yeah, let's be honest. Come on. Gr- drafting the greatest player of all time at number three, not even at number one, number three. Like, that moment is probably one of the greatest in Bulls history. Like, Imagine if imagine a scenario in a world where Michael Jordan wasn't drafted the Bulls, that instead he goes number two or goes number one instead. Like the dramatic shift of this franchise would be completely, completely different. That's why we always say, like, no matter what, the Bulls always have MJ to thank. No matter how popular, how bad, how good this Bulls team, they'll always have MJ for popularity's sake. And, uh, you know, thank goodness that the Portland Trailblazers already had Clyde the Glide Drexler, who was a very talented young player uh, in his own right. And because the Blazers, who picked second, had Clyde, they figured that they didn't need MJ because they were guys that played the same position. Instead, they beefed up their front court, took Sam Bowie. And, you know, look, no, no disrespect to Sam Bowie. The guy was a star in college, you know, had himself an NBA career, um, but has just become kind of a punchline for the guy that was chosen between Olajuwon and Jordan, two Hall of Famers. Um, just because, like, wow, like, how, how, how do you let MJ go third? Um well, you know, the Bulls got lucky in, in that sense. And you know, there was a great article recently. I can't remember who. Maybe it was the Trib. Maybe it was Casey, uh, you know, talking with uh, Rod Thorne, who recently made his own entry into the Naismith Hall of Fame about that uh, the early days of immediately after they drafted a very young, fresh-faced Michael Jordan and started watching him doing some off-season workouts and practices. And then when they got into practices and some preseason games, you know, it, it, they found out very quickly. They're like, oh, this kid is special. This kid is going to be a star. This kid is hands down by far already the best player on our sorry-ass roster. I think without a doubt, like if you're asking me, and we'll put the poll up on Twitter, and I'd be curious to see if anybody votes for the Ben Gordon shot, but I, I got to imagine this is going to be like 90-10, right? If not 95-5. Well, we'll throw it up on Twitter. We'll throw up the entire 32 moments that we have, two ones that we haven't voted on that we'll be talking about the show throughout the next few weeks. So make sure every single day hit up our Twitter Monday through Friday. We'll be putting up a new poll as far as our matchups go, and you can hear us talk about each matchup and each moment every day leading up into the season. That on top of season previews. Hope you enjoyed our Chris Dunn conversation. We'd love to hear from you, though. Your reaction, your comments about what we said maybe Chris Dunn's expectations are for this season. Got any comments on him or either of these moments, hit us up at 331-979-1369. That's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. 
We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back on Monday with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com 